the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus speaks to us in the Gospel of John by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The story is told of an Anglican bishop on a train, train in England. <coughs> Excuse me. He was in his civilian clothes when he drew the attention of a young man who was seated next to him. The young man was a recent convert to Christianity and on a personal mission to bring others to Christ. He asked the bishop if he's saved. The bishop replied, do you mean have I been saved? Am I being saved? Or will I be saved? The young man was perplexed. Perhaps you are too. Let me explain the background of the bishop's reply. Salvation from a Christian standpoint has three aspects to it. First is salvation from the penalty of sin. Second, salvation from the power of sin. And third, salvation from the presence of sin. Salvation from the penalty of sin is what the young convert had just experienced. Scripture is clear. It says none is righteous. No, not one. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is God's truth about each of us. So who, as so whoever we are, who are we, the created, to call the creator a liar? Over 230 years ago, John Newton, the English slave trader, saw the truth about himself and penned the familiar words to amazing grace. He calls himself a wretch, one who was lost and blind until he saw the light of Christ, who saved a wretch like me. In his later years, in poor health and losing his memory, he said, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. With sin comes the penalty for sin. God, in his mercy, provides his only son, Jesus, to take the penalty we rightly deserve. That's what Good Friday's all about. The Lamb of God who willingly sacrificed his life on the cross to take away the sin of the world, opening the way to restore our relationship with God. On the cross, Jesus removes our black cloud of condemnation, guilt, and shame, and sets us on a course of making all things new. Having been saved from the penalty of sin is a one-time event. 
Skipping for a moment to the third aspect of salvation, which is also a one-time event, that of being saved from the presence of sin. This event takes place after death when Christians are eternally out of the presence of sin and in the eternal presence of God where there is no sin. However, the second aspect of salvation, being saved from the power of sin, is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing, day by day, minute by minute, from Monday through Sunday, from work to worship. This is all about how to live an abundant Christian life after you have been saved. It is how to be overcomers in a world that is determined to overcome you by way of your mind, will, emotions, and circumstances. Scripture warns that the ruler of this world is a thief whose sole purpose is to kill and steal and destroy. But by God's grace and mercy, we are not consumed because Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus, who is the way, tells us the way, the only way to overcome the power of sin. That is, through a more significant power, that of the Holy Spirit, which dwells within every believer. Unfortunately, many of a, of a believer get stuck at the first aspect of salvation, the removal of the penalty of sin, and concludes they need to do nothing more than to eventually pass through the pearly gates. Possibly through ignorance, they do not tap into the power necessary to live the Christian life. They simply revert back to their familiar actions and reactions which served them aimlessly in the past, and they basically go on living defeated lives. Yes, they may go to church, but worship is just a small piece of their pie. That is why this second aspect of salvation is crucial. As long as we still have breath, we need the power of God to live in a fallen world. Jesus knew his followers would have headaches, heartaches, hardships, sorrows, suffering, and burdens too heavy to carry. That's why he said he would provide them with the Helper, the Holy Spirit, so our hearts will not be troubled nor be afraid. He wants us to have the blessing of renewed hope every morning. So how do we tap into this power that comforts us and gives rest for the weary soul? It's a simple prescription. Jesus gives it to us in the Gospel of John. He said, abide in me, meaning abide in Christ. You may be thinking there must be something more, more theological, a set of rules or guidelines 
which need to be followed. Maybe even a Christian self-help book. No. This is it. There is no law. It is no law like the ten that was given to Moses. These ten commandments demanded from sinful mankind what they could not perform. Jesus is bidding us to come. Wooing us into his intimate presence. And in this close connection to Jesus, who is our peace, we encounter a peace that passes all understanding as the things of this world go, grow slowly dim in the midst of his wonder and grace. To abide in him calls for a continual surrender of ourselves and our situations in faith to a Savior who wants to liberate us from the depressing influence of the life surrounding us. Abiding will, will sustain us in our daily promenades as well as our dark nights of despair in our emotional blindness and in our scrambled fears. In the closeness of abiding, God gives us victory and seeks to make us whole. Jesus gives us in the Gospel of John a visual of this abiding when he refers to himself as the true vine and we, the believers, are the branches which have been grafted into the vine by God himself. The sustenance we need to live the Christian life comes from that vine. Without it, we are told, we can do nothing. Oh, sure, we can do things, but without the daily flowing of the lifeblood of, of the Holy Spirit, directing and enabling us to do things in His power. Whatever we do basically amounts to nothing eternally. Elsewhere, Scripture refers to those so-called good works that bring glory to us as filthy rags. When we abide in the vine, we no longer have the anxiety that everything depends on our diligence. We rest in Him and rely on His power. On our own, we do not possess that power. No matter how self-sufficient we may appear to be or want to be. With it, we become less self-possessed and more spirit-possessed as we yield to his gracious keeping. It is here that we not only find rest, but the purposes of our life, the reason God allowed us to be born in the first place. The barometers that alert us to the fact we're not abiding. For example, how do you respond when someone says or does something hurtful or harmful or embarrasses you, humiliates and insults you? 
If the flesh is provoked to Christ them by retaliating words and deeds, you're not abiding. Do you bear the marks of another's person's sin against you? Then if you do, you identify with Christ. Abiding enables us to be obedient to God's ways, to pray for our enemies and for those who persecute us, knowing that the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Granted, another person's behavior may be appalling, but God is watching what our response is to their behavior. When enticed by corruption or other misdoings, abiding will allow our conscience to screen out, scream out to prevent the consequences of unethical actions. If there's a problem with immorality, whether through porn or improper physical attraction, abiding gives you the power to flee. When tempted, God says he will always provide a way out of whatever personal temptation besets you. Are you a murmurer or a grumbler, always talking negatively about someone or something? You may feel justified, but beware, because all murmuring and grumbling is ultimately against God. Abiding in Christ will turn you into a positive person in a negative world. Are you frustrated, fretful, or fearful? Are you overwhelmed with sadness? Are you lonely or have been rejected? Whatever our disappointments, trials, or circumstances, be reminded that God has allowed that in our life to push us to our knees and closer to Christ. There is nothing that the presence of God will not cure. Are you one of many people pleasers who are seeking acceptance from others by the way by way of your performance? I had a call a couple of weeks ago from a law school classmate. He's in his 70s. He felt the need to tell me that he had been a performer all of his life because he wanted to present an image that was not reflective of what was actually going on inside him. Over the years, he had come to believe his performance. His outside appearance accommodated whatever situation he was in. But now, at the ebb of his life, he's exhausted. This is not a pagan. He's a Christian. But he's never been taught how to live the Christian life so that he could be set free of other persons, people's opinions and judgments and care only about God's view of him. Are you musing in your dumps and stuck in the muck and mire of past events, problems, uncontrollable situations, Abuse, disloyalties. If this past, is this past being brought into your present, please be assured that no matter what has happened in your life, 
the love of God is up to something. In his love, he will use anything to draw us near to him, to reconnect us to the vine, where we can begin a new day infused with joy. In Philippians 3.13, the Apostle Paul motivates us who are, who are mature in the faith to join him in forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The past only exists in memories. It is not a reality anymore, and God is not there. He is the God I am, not the God I was. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What matters for each of us is what happens from this day forward. When we abide in Christ, he will give us the power to overcome, the power to press on, the grace to have joy in our hearts, and the grace to praise, praise him in all circumstances. Abiding is where we receive the power to live the Christian life in a hostile world. No more trying. Just resting close to Jesus in the faith that he as divine will hold strong these feeble branches of ours so that we might absorb all that he is. Abiding also trust God to water and prune our branches where necessary so we will bloom only and always to his glory. For that we can say, Soli Dio Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have done to save us, to sustain us, to keep us safe, and to bring us to your eternal presence for an eternity. Let this be the light that guides our lives as we take our eyes off of our circumstances and fix them on Jesus. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.